Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. Uh, we're continuing this sermon series called Fixer Upper for the Family. Uh, family Fixer Upper. You know, I got that name from Chip and Joanna Gaines. Uh, you, you know the show where they pick out three houses and, and the people select one and Joanna goes and does her magic. And you know, any kind of project like that, whether you're starting from the ground up or it's a makeover, you need to have some blueprints, right? You've got to have some idea of what you're doing. And uh, you, know, you start with the foundation and then you come next to the framing. You know, everything really does flow from the foundation and from the framing. The windows, the doors, the roof, and the siding, the exterior, the appearance of the house, everything flows from the framing. Listen, it's crucial. If the framing is bad, it doesn't matter how much shiplap Joanna Gaines throws on it. It's not going to look good. And the problem that we face in many of our homes today in 2019, the framing is bad. We want the framing to be correct. And I'm talking about how we uh, uh, live as a family. Look at this next slide. Write this down. This is kind of our main idea uh, for our series, the fact that people can change a house, you can remodel a house, change a house, build a house, all of those things, but only God can really make a difference in the home. The wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, he wrote these words in Psalm 127, verse 1. He said, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And so again, we're, I'm going to focus in, zero in on the children. Now specifically, those little bitty kiddos that just ran out of here, all the way up to the adolescence years, right? Those Formidable years, they're very active years. Now, you may be tempted this morning. You're thinking, I don't have any children, or, or I'm way past that age. You know, you've got grandchildren. Or maybe you just, you're single or whatever. You think this doesn't apply to you. This message applies to all of us as we look at God's Word. But I'm going to zero in on uh, these years of a child's life. That time when the kids are changing almost daily. Go back here. I poked my head in the nursery. And, um, and then kids are swinging around, and they're like a zoo, okay? There's a bunch of... And listen, the, the, I'm kidding. I had a mom over here like, what? No, kid, your baby's fine. I mean, I think. I don't know. Anyway, you see a child one Sunday, right? And the next Sunday, they grew that much. You know what I'm talking about? You send for a week, and you're like, you're, you grew. What is your mama feeding you? Right? The kids change, and they develop. They do that intellectually. They do it emotionally. They do it physically. It happens really fast. Uh, my children, you know, Amber's in college. Marcus just turned 16 last month, and it seemed like yesterday they were little. I mean, little, little. And uh, it just goes by so fast. My parents, without question, though, the greatest years of impact are those years between when they're little, little, all the way up to that preteen age. Uh, it's just, I don't mind telling you that as we talk about children this morning, though, I'm going to be honest. I heard a preacher say this. I don't remember who it was, but he said that uh, before he had a family, he had six theories on parenting. And, and he said, but now I've got six kids and zero theories on parenting, okay? And I understand this is a work in progress. I don't have all the answers, so we're going to look at God's Word and see what God's Word has to say about this issue. But remember, this applies to all of us wherever we're at in life. But we're going to talk about parenting uh, children so that God will get the glory out of our homes. And so what I'm going to give you this morning is your job description. Whether you're a mama, a daddy, grandmama, granddaddy, this is your job description. Take some notes this morning. Write this down. Your first thing is you need to spiritually direct your children. 
spiritually direct them. Now, we talked about this last week, but Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived, the king over Israel, he says this in Psalm 127, verse 3. He said, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, that word there, heritage, what it literally means is um, it's like uh, inheritance. In other words, what he's saying is that the children belong to God, and he's the one who gives them to you. Look at this next slide. Children are not just born here below. They're literally given from above. God gives us these children. And so no matter what, no matter how fussy that child is going into the nursery, coming out of the nursery, no matter what's going on in life, we need to see children as exactly what they are, a blessing from God. They always are. Look at verse 4 for this description. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. And so he says children are like an arrow. Any, any arrow, if it's going to be worth anything, it's going to have to be, two things are going to have to happen. It's going to have to be pointed in the right direction. It needs to hit the target or it's useless. What good is an arrow that's not pointed in the right direction or hits the target? And if you're a Christian parents this morning, mom, dad, grandparents, you need to be pointing your children in the right direction uh, towards God and so they can hit the target, the target so they can know Christ someday, hopefully, like you do. Let me tell you how precious children are. You cannot take your wealth, you cannot take your house, you cannot take your 401k, cars, boats, stocks, bonds, whatever it is, none of those things can go to heaven with you. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is your family. You can take your family with you to heaven. That's why we want to direct our children spiritually. And again, we talked about it last week, but the tragedy is so many children are being launched with no direction. It's like this little poem. It says, I shot an arrow in the air. When it landed, I know not where. So many children are just being launched. Listen, if you won't set the tone spiritually for your family, whatever that makeup is, the world will. The world will be glad to take your arrow of a child and shoot it in the direction that it wants it to go. But I promise you that target is in the opposite direction that God wants that child to go. The world will fill that vacuum spiritually in your child's life if you won't do it. Matter of fact, Isaiah 38 verse 19, it says this, the father shall. The father shall. Now, it's, the father might, if he feels like it, if he didn't work too much that day. The father shall make known your truth to the children. Listen, if the dad's not willing, mom, you step up. God will bless it, right? There is no dad. Mom, you step up. God will bless it. There is no mom. Dad, you step up, and you'll bless it. Listen, you already messed up, and you raised some kids that are heathens, and now they're trying to raise your grandbabies to be heathens. Grandmama, granddaddy, you step up, and, and God will bless it. We talk, Listen, if you're still breathing, it's not over, and God's not done yet. God will bless you as you try to be a godly influence on those he's given you. But remember this when we talk about training our children. Look at this next slide. You're, just not, you're not just training your kids, man. You're influencing future generations to come if you just raise some some wild pagan children, they're going to just grow up to raise wild pagan children and on and on and on. But if you teach your children the fear and admonition of the Lord, they will have children that they're going to teach and they're going to have children that they will teach. And you can impact this country for generations to come and even the world. Listen, parents, grandparents, if you want to be successful, teach your kids to love God, trust God, and obey God. Love God, trust God, and obey God. Now, I know some of us are still having a hard time doing that ourselves right? But that's the goal. Love God, trust God, and to obey God, or we're just not doing it right. 
Parenting is so much more than conceiving a child and feeding a child and clothing a child and educating a child and then sending it out into the world uh, to live its life. It's more than that. We have a responsibility to prepare our children for their eternal destiny of meeting God. That's what we're called to do as parents. Remember, when we talk about parenting, I say it every time, when it comes to our children, you don't get what you want necessarily. Usually you get what you are. You get what you are. You don't get what you want you get what you are most of the time most of the time matter of fact if some of you find yourself losing your temper with your children i'm willing to bet if you are introspective a little bit and you thought about it the most angry you get at your children is when they act just like you (laughs) the other night marcus was sitting in my spot anybody else have a spot their chair right amen you earn that. That comes with years, man. I ain't lived this, this world all these years for some, some teenager to come and take my spot. I paid for that spot. Get up. And so I come walking in the living room, and Marcus, he didn't even wait. Get out of my seat. I, like, I don't sound like that. He's like, yes, you do. <laughs> Listen, sometimes the most upset we get with our kids is when, they're, when they sin just like us. And we see that, and we don't like it, right? And the reason we don't like it is because we recognize where it comes from. Listen, you don't get what you want out of children. Usually, as a principle, you get what you are. And so if you want your children to have a quiet time, you need to have a quiet time. If you want your children to read God's Word, you need to be reading God's Word. If you want your kids to go to church, you're going to have to strap them in and bring them to church, right? It could happen. I don't think Jesus is going to miracle them here every Sunday while you stay at home. You don't get what you want. You get what you are. You may not be a pastor like me, but if you're the father in that home or you're the, 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 the mother or whatever it is, you're the spiritual leader for those children, whatever the situation is. And God has called you to lead them to Christ in a spiritual direction. Now, I just want to give you some real, really briefly some tips I don't know how to do that. Look at the next slide. First thing is this. You need to read Bible studies to your babies. Bible stories, I mean, to your babies, to your children. Here in, in several weeks, we'll have our time of child dedication here at Grace. We do it every year. It's really a time of parent dedication, right? It's more, you know, they're coming to dedicate their children to God, but at the same time, they're dedicating themselves to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And when they do that, the older children, we give them a Bible, but the, 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 the wee little lads, the small children, we give them like a Bible, an age-appropriate Bible study, right? A Bible story. And we give them that little book, and the reason we give that to them is so that you'll take that home and read it to them. Read the Word of God with your children. Read them Bible stories, whatever's age-appropriate. The next thing, look at this. Pray with them. Listen, and dinner time, bedtime, it's a good time to do that. Anytime. You can teach your children a bedtime prayer. You can teach them. We taught our children our first lesson in learning how to pray is blessing food. Right? We came up with this little model prayer. So whether we're at home or whether we're in public, right, we always, we, this is how we bless the food. And if I ask one of my children to pray for the food, this is the prayer they'll say right here. We say, dear father, I don't, and again, I mentioned this in the first, I don't know why we say dear father like it's a letter. Dear father. All right, I'm sorry. Anybody else do that? All right, okay, all the cool people. All right, and so we start out like this. Dear father, forgive us our sins. Bless this food. Let us be truly grateful for these and all blessings. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, why do we pray that prayer? It was simple enough for a child to learn, and we covered all the places, right? Our dear Father, forgive us our sins. Lord, we want you to bless this food. Let us be grateful. 
for all of your blessings, right? So we're just kind of covering our prayer, our prayer you know, summary there that way in a simple way for the children. Now, all these years later, we can't break it. Now, we add stuff to it, right, depending on something going on. Dear Lord, please send, bless this food. You know, be with Amber. She goes back to union, da, 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 or whatever it is. We add to it, but that's always the framework for our prayer. You can teach your children to pray, and it starts right now. Pray with your kids. Next, look at this next slide again. Attend church consistently. Your child would never make it on the all-star baseball team if you only showed up for baseball practice once a month. Your child's never going to be on the all-star Jesus team if he only shows up to church once a month. And I kind of feel like we already covered Jesus probably isn't going to miracle them here without you. Okay, He's called you to be the spiritual leader. You lead your children to church. You, you, they don't want to go too bad. You pick them up, strap them in. Ah! You bring them in. Ah! You just hand them off. <laughs> just apologize to the nursery. You just hand them off, sign them in. Ah! Ah! I'm sorry. Right? This is all the only time I get. Bring your children. There's no, no reason not to. Next, when you bring them to church, this is going to happen. Take their spiritual questions seriously. So they're going to be like, what's bad? Why is baptism? What's that about? Well, Lord's Supper. Why can't I take the Lord? Who's the Lord's Supper? What's, it? what's Easter? What's all these things? Take their, don't disregard their questions. Take their questions seriously and answer their questions. And if you don't know the answer, you get a reliable source and get the answers and explain it to your children in a way that they can understand. But take their questions seriously because, I don't know if you noticed or not, they're people. That's a crazy concept. They look just like people, right? Take their questions seriously and answer those questions. And the next, look at this. Also, man, buy them Christian music, movies, cartoons, books, whatever. Expose them to Christian things, positive things things, right? Veggie tales. Can I get an amen? Expose them to these kind of things, right? Uh, when you're feeding them other things, it just, that's what you're going to, listen, if your four-year-old has got the latest Beyonce, Beyonce album memorized, don't be surprised when she grows up and acts like Cardi B. What you're feeding them is what you're going to get out. And so if you want good things out, good things in. Christian books, age-appropriate, cartoons, books, whatever it takes. Next, look at this. Also, pray for your children every day and be specific. Pray for your child's wisdom. Pray for their purity. Pray for their future uh, husband, their future wife. Pray for God's calling on their life. There's nothing that you can do greater for your children than to pray for them constantly, daily, and continuously. Pray for your children. Never forget to pray for your children. Now, next, here's the one all the parents are like. Number two, write this down. Now, loving, now all the kids are like, boo, lovingly discipline your children. God has called you to discipline your kiddos. Remember, it calls children arrows. Now, every good arrow needs the feathers replaced eventually or the tip replaced or, or sharpened or whatever. Those things have to be tuned up. These babies need to be tuned up from time to time. Uh, now, I'm, I put in my notes, I'm going to enter into a very controversial territory. It's not controversial with me. Now, some uh, you know, child-rearing experts or psychologists would tell you that it's bad to ever discipline your child in any way, much less with spanking. We spanked our children. And uh, there's, you know, Have you ever heard that saying, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child? You ever heard that? Well, that's not in the Bible, though, okay? So don't say, you know, that Bible, the Bible says spare the rod. It doesn't say that. It's actually worse. Look at this in Proverbs 13, verse 24. It's much worse. It says, he who spares, uh, spares his rod hates his son. 
but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Now, real quick, a lot of times people don't discipline their children, and I'm not just talking about spanking, I'm talking about any kind of discipline, and they play it off like, I don't want to, because I love them, and I want them to be happy, and when I get onto them, they're not, I just want my kids to be happy, blah, 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 blah. No, scripture's clear. If you don't discipline your children, it's not because you love them, it's because you love yourself. Because disciplined children isn't fun. Disciplined children isn't easy. Kids can ruin your night. Amen? Amen. It's not easy. And so when you love yourself, that's the best amen I've gotten in two weeks. <laughs> I noticed. Listen, and it's not because you love your children. It's because you love yourself more than you love your children. Because if you loved your children as much as you say that you do, you would discipline your children in a godly manner. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Look at Proverbs twenty-two fifteen in your notes. It says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Whew. Listen, look at this next line. If you don't mind that your children don't mind, they won't mind. If you don't mind that your children don't mind, they won't mind one little bit. All God really asks the parents is to discipline their children the way that God disciplines his. Look in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. It says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. In the same way that God loves us and disciplines us, we should love our children enough to discipline them. Now understand this. Look at this next slide. Discipline is something. It's not something that we do to a child. It's something we do for them. It's for the child, not to the child. There's a big difference. This type of discipline has to be done. I also, when they're young, it has to be done when the child is young. I read a study this week, and it was called uh, phoneme contraction. What it means is this. Have you ever met a young person that gets on your nerves and already knows the second or third language? Like their, their parents are clearly overachievers and just wearing you out, right? You, your kids barely have English, and they're like on their fourth language, and they're really good at it. Seriously, have you ever seen a child that's really good at a second language? I guess I hang out with smarter children than you. But listen, what it is, your larynx, your larynx when you're little, is more uh, flexible. So I'm, I'm giving this to you in layman terms, but it's more flexible. And as the years go by, with the sounds that you make, it hardens into certain positions. So there's noises and sounds you can make when you're little, if you train yourself, that 20 years later, you have a much more difficult time. If you meet a foreigner speaking English and they have a heavy accent, right? That means they probably learned English at an older age. But if you meet a foreigner that speaks really good English, I almost guarantee that it means they've been speaking it since they were a child. Does that make sense? Those early years are the best years linguistically to learn a new language. It's easier. You just have the tools that you need to do the job. The early years for a child are the easiest years for them to be molded to respect their parents and to have a, the proper attitude that God wants them to have. But it doesn't last long. Now, again, I'm talking about spanking. I want you to understand what I am and am not talking about with spanking. Number one, I'm not going to spank your babies, okay? Don't worry about it. But I spanked mine. And uh, the Bible backs that up. But what I'm talking about is one or two swats on the backside. I'm not talking about physically abusing a child, kicking, punching. The attitude of spanking is love and concern. It's not to be an, you don't spank, don't discipline your children when you're angry, right? The effects of spanking should be proper behavior, not emotional and physical, you know, injury and bitterness. It should be done selectively, right, for deliberate reasons. Spanking should be something that happens on purpose, uh, 
other forms of discipline should be tried first, right? Time out or in the corner or whatever you do. Those other things should happen first. Um, I think this personal, I don't think spanking should happen until they're about 16 months. I don't, I don't even mean spank, you know, that's when that little hand's reaching for that thing that can hurt them. Maybe you just tap that hand a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Not, don't do that. That's a baby. But I'm saying that's when you can kind of start giving a little bit of correction to the child about 16 months. You want to do it before they're two years old. I can promise you that. And then you should be about done spanking, disciplining your children by the time they're six, maybe up to 10. But if you're doing it after they're 10, you probably didn't do it right when they were six. Does that make sense? So those early years is really when you can shape that. Uh, we, we spanked our children, and um, uh, it, the, I can't remember the last time when, well before they were 10 was the last time that we ever had to actually spank one of our kids. It's just when you get it in young and you're consistent and you do it lovingly, you just don't have to do it as much, as much later. Of course, every child is different. Uh, spanking should always be administered in private. Never do it publicly to humiliate your kids. Right? I mean, if you have to beat your child all over Walmart, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, okay? But try not to. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding, right? I'm kidding. All right? And so, but don't, it, it's not, spanking isn't to humiliate your child and break their spirit. It's to lovingly discipline your child and point them in the right direction. If you enjoy it, if, you, if there's some kind of satisfaction that you derive from it, just don't do it. You should stop. It's, it's bad for your spirit. Both of our children, I remember the first time I spanked either one of my children, I cried. Like a baby. I ain't even ashamed. Big old apple. <laughs> I told him to quit. And he did. And I had to whoop him. I'm laying on my bed sobbing like a big old baby. Why? Because I love them babies. And the Bible tells me if I love them, I'll discipline them. It was hard to spank them. It was hard. Hey, but it got easier. Amen. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Parents, also number three. We're to emotionally develop our children. This plays into the first one. If you will discipline your children, you're setting yourself up to emotionally develop them to be a child of God that God is calling them to be. If you're not doing the first one, the second one's never going to happen. You want to see an undeveloped child emotionally? Uh, let me show you a child that was never disciplined, never had any guardrails or any guidelines in their life. We have to develop our children and mold and shape them uh, because God calls us to, but it's what they need. It needs to be done early in life. Again, those early years of the formative years. I heard about a doctor. He was um, taking his little four-year-old to, uh, uh, to pre-K, to nursery, or, or uh, yeah, pre-K, and um, he had a stethoscope in his back seat, and his little girl uh, took the stethoscope, and she put it in and was playing with it, just like you would if you were in the back seat, and there was a stethoscope, right? And so the little girl's playing with it, and the dad, he looks in the rearview mirror, and he sees his little girl uh, playing with the stethoscope, and he's like, <laughs> right? He's like, Man, my little girl wants to be just like me. Is going to follow in my footsteps. My baby girl wants to be a doctor. Her dad's her hero. She wants to follow in my footsteps. And then right about that moment, she took that stethoscope, turned it around and said, Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? <laughs> a personal story. Brother Glenn's here. Personal. One time, we was at Old Friendship Baptist Church. I was a youth director. And they used to call the children up for children's church. You know how they... Used to do that, and uh, and up there, and we actually had a camera set up so you could see it real good. And all the kids were up there, and Marcus was up there, and Brother Glenn was sitting in the seat, and Jeff was doing the children's church. And so he asked all the children, there's six, seven, eight of them up there, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
One kid wants to be a farmer. Another kid wants to be a, a, a fireman. A, you know, all down the line gets to my son, little Marcus. Little Marcus, what do you want to be when you grow up? My son said loud and proud, I want to be a preacher. And I would, if you could strut sitting down, I was. I'm like, that's right. Boy wants to be a preacher. Brother Glenn looked, Glenn looked at me, kind of gave me the thumbs up. I'm like, I know. That's what we do. Right? I was so proud. And this little kind of giggle went through the congregation. And right about the time it stopped, little Marcus says, or a golfer. I was like, why couldn't you stop? And then Glenn says, it's kind of the same thing. Preacher, golfer, they go together. That has nothing to do with my sermon. Listen, do you realize that 65% of your working vocabulary is acquired by the age of three? That 80% of your character by the age of five, 90% of your personality by the age of seven. What I'm saying is you have a window of opportunity to influence your children in a positive emotional direction during those early years that will be gone very quickly. That's when it's important to provide the proper environment. Look at Psalm 128 and verse 3. It says, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. And so it compares children, and God's word compares children to arrows, and it compares them to plants. And what plants need to thrive is a good environment, a healthy environment. Look at Psalm 144, verse 12. It says that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That are, Okay, I know all the girls like this. That our daughters may be as pillars, sculptured in Palestine. I don't know what palace style is, but it sounds expensive. Amen. <laughs> Listen, the child brought up in a good environment can be stronger, healthier, more resistant to the moral diseases that are out there in the world. And to have a good home environment, a God, uh, an environment that God will bless, it requires two things, you and time. You and time. What you need is you and time. A study seven years ago uh, that was done in Russia, Russia showed that the average Russian father spent two to three hours a day with their children. Now, I mean intense time, like together time. And in Boston, Massachusetts, the University of Boston said, did a study at the same time and found that the average dad in the, Boston, the greater Boston, Massachusetts area only averaged 32 seconds a day with their children. 32 seconds. The, uh, the average parent spent less than 15 minutes a week in serious discussion. What I mean is serious time. You know, riding in the car with the music blaring isn't spending time together right? They're watching TV in their room and you watching TV in the living room. That's not spending time together. You see what I'm saying? Serious time. One of the things that we used to do when the kids were smaller, we need to do it again, make Amber Baby come back from union. Listen, we had family night. Family night. Because we're busy, man. Are you busy? Raise your hand if you're busy. Listen, you're busy. If you don't schedule it, it don't happen. And what you can do is just schedule a night. Hey, Thursday night's family night. I don't even care if this is between husband and wife, right? We're going to have Family night, that's where we cut off the TV and we spend time together. We sit down at the table, we're going to play games, we're going to play cards. Hey, Des, teach your kids how to cheat in poker. It'll be great. Do whatever you've got to do to spend time together as a family, real time. Not just breathing the same air time because it just doesn't count. Whatever you need to do to make it happen, make it happen. Because God has called you to train up your children. Not me, not your school teacher, right? Not your parents, not the nanny, not anybody else. God has called you to train up your children in the way that they should go. Now, some of you, who remembers Ann Landers? You remember that name, Ann Landers? Anybody? Some of you are showing your age. That's cool. Thank you. Uh, I found this piece online that was written many years ago. Um, it's, it's entitled, Where Did the Years Go? Listen to this. 
with his dad, he wrote in. He said, I remember talking to my friends a number of years ago about our children. Mine were five and seven then, just the ages when their daddy means everything to them. I wish that I could have spent more time with my kids, but I was too busy working. After all, I wanted to give them all the things I never had when I was growing up. I love the idea of coming home and having them sit on my lap and tell me about their day, but unfortunately, most days I came home so late that I was unable to kiss them goodnight after they had gone to sleep. It's amazing how fast kids grow. Before I knew it, they were 9 and 11. I missed seeing them in school plays. Everyone said they were great, but the plays always seemed to go on when I was busy with business or tied up at some conference. The kids never complained, but I could see the disappointment in their eyes. I kept promising that I would have more time next year, but the higher up the ladder I climbed, the less time there seemed to be. Suddenly, they were no longer 9 and 11. They were 14 and 16, teenagers. I didn't see my daughter the night she went on her first date or my son's championship basketball game. Mom made excuses, and I managed to call and talk to them before they left the house. But I could hear the disappointment in their voices, even though I explained as best I could. Don't ask me where the time has gone, where the years have gone. Those little kids are 19 and 21 now and in college, and I can't believe it. My job is less demanding, and I finally have time for them, but they've got their own interests, and they have no time for me. And to be perfectly honest, it hurts a little. It seems like yesterday they were five and seven. I would give anything to live those years over. You can bet your life I would do it differently. But they're gone now. And so is my chance to be a real father. Guys, if you're still breathing, it's not over. And God isn't finished. If you have younger children at home, remember they're a gift they're an arrow, they're a plant, and only you can do the three things that they most need from you. Direct them spiritually. To lovingly give them discipline, it'll be the greatest blessing you ever give those children. And to help them develop emotionally so that you can point them at the target, which is Christ. And when that time comes, they'll receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then your work just gets sweeter and better and better. If you're still breathing, it's not over. God's not done. You not only can do this for them, but you can also do it for future generations. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word that teaches us clearly our role as parents and, and uh, grandparents, Father, that you've given this incredible gift of children in our lives. And God, and they are a blessing. Lord, help us to love you enough. Help us to love them enough to be the man, the woman of God that you've called us to be. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. No, don't look around. Assume a posture of prayer. As of right now, no one leave the sanctuary unless it's an absolute emergency. But listen, those of you here this morning, you know that you've received Christ. You know that you're saved. And you're listening to this message this morning. And maybe you're a parent. Or maybe you're a grandparent. And you know God, I need to step up. I need to be the kind of man, the kind of woman that you're calling me to be. That's part one. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're not a parent, but God has called you to be a spiritual parent, a spiritual grandparent, to be an influence in those around you. And maybe this morning you know that you haven't been using the time that God has given you for his glory. And for his calling on your life. You know, you recognize that. And so I want to pray with you. 
So this morning, if your prayer is, God, help me to be a godly parent. Or Lord, help me to use the time you've given me and the way that you've called me to use it. Will you slip your hand up right now? I just want to pray for all of us all over the sanctuary. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for all of these who are just willing to be used by you. Lord, I pray for those moms and those dads and those grandparents. God, that you will bless them. God, I know that you've enabled them. Lord, that they will tap into your Holy Spirit and be exactly who you've called them to be in the life of others. Father, I pray that we'll use the time that you've given us. Oh, Lord, we're so busy. We're busy. Lord, help us to zero in and focus on what's really important. Lord, help us to make time for people because they are what matters. And help us to love people like you've loved us. And help us to invest in people. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. No looking around for just a moment. Assume a posture of prayer. There's some of you this morning, you don't know that you're saved. You don't know that you've given your heart to Christ. You don't know that you've ever had that time where you've repented and turned from your sin and trusted Christ to save you. Maybe nobody else knows, but you know and God knows. And maybe you're saying something kind of like sometimes as a dad or a mom, as parents sometimes, we know, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll be a better parent tomorrow. I'll be a better person. I'll get saved. I'll get right with God tomorrow at a more convenient time. I'm busy. I've got, I can't focus on this right now. I've got other things to do. I, I'll, I'll do better tomorrow. I'll, be a, I'll surrender my life to God tomorrow. Look up for just a second. Look up. Listen, tomorrow may not come. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. I'm not trying to scare you. But just like as a parent, uh, my children are 16, Amber's about to be 30, I'm kidding. I can look back on my life and I think, man, it went like that. With my children growing up, time is not your friend. Whether you're sitting down, laying down, or standing up, time marches on. And if you're going to surrender your life to Christ, now is the time. Today is the day. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There is nothing to gain, nothing to benefit by putting it off one more minute, one more hour, one more day. He's done everything necessary for you to be saved, to be redeemed. And listen, if you're still breathing, it's not too late. And Christ isn't done yet. Why don't you do what I did in my life? I had to come to the point where I confessed my sin, asked God to save me, turned to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, and I trusted in him, his death, burial, and resurrection for my sin. Not me, not my goodness, not anything about me. Trusting Christ, that's the only answer. And the only time, today. Today. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Well, get that right today. Don't leave here without knowing Christ. Why? Let's pray one more time. Listen, guys, all of you here this morning, you know whether or not you're saved. You either know that you know or you don't. And the truth is we're all going to stand before God in judgment. And if you've never received Christ, I mean, you're going to, let's be honest, you're a sinner. You're a lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterator. I mean, we've all sinned and come up short. 
and a good, holy, just God will not find you not guilty on that day of judgment. Unless you have Christ, your sin for his salvation, your sin for his righteousness, he paid the price, he redeemed you. Why don't you trust him? So those of you here this morning, you know that now is this at the time. Now is the day of your salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to drag you forward. I'm not going to do any of that. I just want to pray with you. So right now, at this moment, if you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, why don't you just slip your hand up at your seat. God bless you. I see you. Who else? God bless you. Who else? God bless you. Why don't you pray a prayer like this? It's not the prayer. It's you humbling yourself before God, surrendering your life to God. Pray a prayer like this. Say, Father God, right there in your seat, Father God, I'm a sinner. I sin. Lord, I repent. I turn from my sin, and I turn to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith and trust in your death, burial, and resurrection. Christ alone, all of me to all of God. Listen, guys, the Bible's clear. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on him? He has saved you. He's giving you the Holy Spirit. You've got resurrection power in your life. I want to encourage you to make that public. Maybe you're here this morning and at a previous service or some other time, you've prayed to receive Christ and you've never made it public. You need to come this morning and follow through in believer's baptism. That's the first thing God asks us to do. Maybe your baptism's on the wrong side of your salvation. You got baptized sometimes back, but you know that you received Christ later. You need to get that in the right order. Once you come this morning, we'll pray and rejoice with you. Set that time up for you. Maybe God is speaking to you about becoming an official part of the Grace Baptist family. This is your church home. You know it. God has confirmed it. And it's time for you to serve the plant roots, put on their jersey, be part of the team right here at Grace. Why don't you come and do that this morning if God is calling you to? But whatever it is this morning, maybe you need to come and pray for someone. Maybe there's some unconfessed sin that you need to deal with. But this morning, during this invitation, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You're still breathing. God's not done. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. Lord, I just pray that your people will use it for their good and your glory. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us? Just as I am. Without one plea